you may not be strong enough to go out there and have a discussion with your neighbors and lay out why they're wrong. Mm -hmm. But at the very least, don't go along with it. Don't go to their pride parties. Don't put a flag up in front of your house. Don't congratulate somebody on their gender identity or transition or their gay marriage or any of those things because you think that you're being loving. Right. It is not loving to affirm lies. You are listening to the Solomon's Corner Podcast, a place for thinkers. Join us as we explore the depths of theology, philosophy, and the Christian intellectual life. Welcome to the Solomon's Corner Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Roberts. I'm joined by my lovely co-host and submissive wife, Lindsay Roberts. And we are here to talk about the latest, most controversial, insane, and most redundant question that has probably ever made millions of dollars. What is a woman? And it should be a reflection on our generation that this is the battle that God gave us. So I don't know... (laughs) What that says about our IQ, wisdom, etc., etc., etc. But, yep, what is a woman? So, before we get into that, please make sure that you leave us a five star review and leave us a nice little comment if you can, depending on what platform you listen on. If you have an Apple device and you can leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. We would really appreciate it, and even a nice little note that will help us in the search engine and all those things that are bots and big tech and things that go bump in the internet. So, without further ado, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. Our DMs are open. Or you can reach out to us on Telegram or mail at solomonscorner.com. That's M-A-I-L, not M-A-L-E, but M-A-I-L at solomonscorner.com. Mail at solomonscorner.com. You can send your questions to mail at solomonscorner.com, and we will cover them on the show. So you were saying that it's kind of unreal that our current generation is having to question and define what is a woman and I just thought, man, like only a hundred years ago, we were fighting for women's rights and we've regressed pretty seriously when we could fight for women's rights and, you know, have the suffrage and we already don't know what a woman is anymore. So now a man can actually have women's rights, which you know, some might say is a step in forward. Progress. That's a- <laughs> I love all of the memes I've seen that Talk about how the patriarchy always wins because all of the best women awards are going to a bunch of men. So, yeah. On that note, I guess we're here to talk about Matt Walsh's documentary, What is a Woman? That's right. So, we just watched it last night and... They did get hacked, by the way. So Yeah. You mean the... What is it called? The DDoS? DDoS attack. DDoS attack. They flood the servers with bots to make it so that real people can't get in. Which, what happened? that's what happened to us. We were trying to watch it and couldn't log in. The app wasn't working. So we had to use a laptop and screen share it with our TV so we could watch it. Mm -hmm. So that's what you do when you're a dedicated fan, you know? It's true. I've been waiting. Or you have a podcast that's hoping to capitalize on somebody else's coattails. No shame. Thanks, Matt Walsh, for the tug-along. Tug-along to glory. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, my post but... wouldn't have gone viral if it wasn't for what is a woman. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so you were asking me what did I think about it, yeah. and I would say first off, it was phenomenal, especially for people like us who have been following the LGBT movement for the last 10 years um i think about 10 years ago when you and i were talking to friends and family saying this is going to be a serious issue and it is transgenderism or or gay stuff the lgbt stuff which because we said the lgbt stuff will bring forth all of these other sexual or uh, identity-based social issues well, we said that when I think what you're referring to is when gay marriage. Right. That's what I'm talking about. When but Obama even, shifted on gay marriage. Right. And we said this is the beginning of an uphill battle for churches. Yes. But we even before that had been passed, it was pretty obvious that the tone politicians were taking at that time. You know, they were all becoming very favorable to it, even though when they were running for election in 2008, they had been against I, I feel like we're kind are you of, talking about like the slippery slope thing yeah like the slippery slope stuff but what i'm saying is this documentary i think was really helpful for people like us who have been following what's been going on in the lgbt movement and i would say it's helpful for people like us who have been watching the movement for a long yeah. time because there were so many years that people acted like we were crazy for saying this is going to get worse and for saying it can't just stop at we want equality in marriage it's going to grow into pedophilia it's going to grow into redefining womanhood uh, or minor manhood. attracted person that's true it was so disrespectful of me it was. not call them a map to call them true. a pedophile yeah but um anyway so i was really glad for the documentary because i felt like he brought to the table for anyone who's been on the sidelines for a long time or for anyone who's been unaware of what's going on i was just really glad to have it all condensed you know years and years of what we've seen happening condensed into one movie uh it was just really i thought it was really great well and it had it didn't just cover you know the transgender movement it really covered postmodernism. Mm-hmm. and its views on truth and let me just say this as well if it's between listening to this right now and just going and subscribing to to daily wire for a month so you can watch this behind the paywall which i think is totally and 100 percent legitimate and jeremy boring gives a great uh, explanation of that as to why they need this and if you're subscribed to netflix and stop whining about daily wire uh putting stuff behind the paywall but at the end of the day this is really important so if you have to choose between us or, you know, going and watching that right now, just turn us off and go watch it right now because it's really important. But it it seems, and I even felt this way, that when this was coming out, it was basically going to be a joke because the question is so absurd and so it's so insulting that this is the cultural battle that our generation has inherited. And when uh, Matt Walsh tackles this thing, they talk about the fact that he was the only host who could have done this documentary because he goes into these places. I mean, he interviews an actual transgender woman, which means biologically male, um, if I got that right. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. always confusing. Who does actual transgender surgeries on kids as young as 16. And he talks to them 
very casually and very stone cold and never breaks his posture or comes off as hostile or anything. So that alone is worth the, uh, I thought, worth the the actual time and money to, to watch it because you really saw how to, it was, how irrational the position is. So no matter how nice you are, mm-hmm. there is no way you're going to satisfy these people. There's no reasoning. There's mm-hmm. no reasoning to objective truth. Yeah. And that was, that was exactly my, I would say probably my favorite element of the documentary was he kept bringing it back to well, I just care about the truth. Mm-hmm. I, I just want to know what the truth is. And at one point, he triggers a university professor who says, well, that's a very bigoted thing to say. And transphobic. Says, a very transphobic thing to say. Excuse me. So he said, the word truth is transphobic, mm-hmm. which, um, I mean, you were, you were saying you wanted to talk about the postmodernism that he highlights. So oh, yeah. how is, well, how is and- that? postmodernist well part of it is is just how slippery some of these things are and and especially with the way that the media grants that this is a legitimate position that they will use preferred pronouns they will talk about these things in the media as if it is totally normal for a biological woman to be raped by a transgender woman and this is is incredibly problematic. And so now the average person is just like, maybe silence is the best way. Maybe I should just be quiet. Mm-hmm. And that is definitely not the option. And Matt Walsh highlights this because when he goes in and starts talking to these people, they start to try and play all these word games with them. Like, well, that's your truth. Mm-hmm. Well, that might be what you perceive, but what do I perceive? And they play all these childish games it reminds me of this one time there was this little kid who kept walking around saying i don't exist and so i squeezed his hand really hard and he said ow and i said i thought you didn't exist and he said i still don't how can you reason with a person like that and and these aren't children these are adults he's not going and finding the most fringe person he's finding medical doctors who are certified medical clinicians one of them he interviews is an abortion doctor of 20 years Mm -hmm. and she does gender therapy stuff yeah she said that she administers hormones to children and i think she said do you remember how young she said that they can start hormones like six i don't remember i don't remember the the exact age but the whole way that she talked about using these drugs as if for example you can take these drugs he said when she said gender therapy though she was talking about the idea of having um somebody uh come to their child come to her with their child and then starting to ask them how about their story okay so yeah. therapy not yeah. in the like gene as far as therapy, I, that's how like I drug yeah. use but yeah. therapy is in counseling yeah okay and then all right you know if they decide that they want to be a girl then that's when they start talking about hormones and well things. and then of course matt walsh with that person for example he brings up the example of a child believing in santa claus mm-hmm. and I mean, the woman goes on to say, well, that's your truth. Yeah. You know, well, Santa Claus is real to, them. to that child. And it's like, okay. And then, of course, he brings it back again to, well, there has to be objective mm-hmm. reality. And I mean, there's only, what, two or three people he speaks to in the whole documentary mm-hmm. that want to defend objective reality. And Oh, um, yeah. And they're highly decorated clinicians. You mean the ones who are denying mm-hmm. it? 
Yeah. The ones who are denying knowable reality. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. It and, was... and the most moving interview he has is the, uh, the, the detransitioned woman mm-hmm. who still goes by the name Scott, but probably because she actually looks like a man now. Yeah. And, and it's, she's she went too far and it would it it would cause just as much confusion right vice versa and she tries to keep people from uh transitioning their kids Mm -hmm. because they destroyed her body Mm -hmm. and it will never be the same and she's going to die an early death and Mm -hmm. we'll probably never see her kids grow up yeah it's just tragic Mm -hmm. it is so that was the other side of the documentary i i thought i knew a decent amount about transgenderism but I did not know a lot of the medical side effects. So, for example, the drug that is uh, prescribed to boys, I think it's boys, maybe mm-hmm. it's also girls, but I think boys particularly, um, to halt their puberty is the same drug that is used to chemically castrate sex offenders in prisons. And there was stuff like that. There was also... That car- or that person in the movie Scott, who is a female who Lupron. That's what Lupron. It's called. That's yep. what it's called. That's the drug that is used for chemical castration, yep. and they're also giving to transgender boys. Well, yep. boys who want to transition to girls. Um, yep, and that's straight on Google. So you just Google chemical castration drugs. They haven't. Uh, they haven't wiped it, down, it yet. They haven't buried it in the put, search results put yet. Put it in the memory hole. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But uh, as Big Brother would like us to do. But um, no, there was uh, the woman, Scott, her whole portion when she talked about the health ramifications. And I won't go into the details, but just some of the insane things her body was doing and all of the infections that she's constantly battling, the heart attacks, the... I mean, it's just she went to war against her own body Mm -hmm. with these drugs and... It's really tragic. Well, and, and that really gets at the idea of, well, should I just stay silent on this matter? And, you know, we've talked about, and Jim, who's been on the podcast, he and I have talked about this a lot. You know, what is the consequence of individuals knowingly believing a lie? Mm-hmm. And what are the consequences of that? And the second question is, is what's the consequence of just willfully going along with it, even if you don't believe it? Even if you don't affirm it, what's what are the consequences of going along with it? This is it makes me think of Ketman that's yeah. talked about in Live Not by Lies and in the original book, The Captive Mind, um, mm-hmm. by She Miwosh. No. Shezla No. Miwosh. Miwosh. That's right. Yep. Shez, Gotta get your Elmer Fudd Shez, in there. Shezwa He's Czech Miwosh. Republic, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, no, no. Polish. Polish. But, but so. In that book, he talks about Ketman, which is this idea that you can be an avid adherent to a belief system on the outside while holding a completely contradictory view inside. And the more aggressively you play up your adherence on the outside, the more you actually believe inside how how clever you are. Like you, you puff yourself up because you're so good at going along with the lie while believing the truth. And of course the assumption there is that what you do and the role you play does not have an impact on you. Right. But this is an absurd contention, by the way, 
Because do we really believe that as Christians and as just rational human beings that a soldier who decides to go to war and pretend to be a pimp and has to, you know, finds himself in compromising situations where he might actually have to have relations with a person, you know, do we really believe? And again, I have no idea if this actually happens, but it happens in the movies so we can make it at least a thought experiment. Do we really believe that if it's between blowing his cover and going along with whatever they ask him to do, that those actions aren't going to have a negative impact on him as a human being? Mm-hmm. And and so when we decide that we're going to just keep silent, this is one of the things that comes out. We are giving these crazy people a free path straight to our children. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about this, the documentary really gets into the idea that you cannot stay silent on this. If you're on LinkedIn and you see all these pronouns sticking around, don't participate in that. It's yeah. not tolerant. You are you are joining a a psychotic cult well and you actually you talked about this in one of the earlier podcasts you had said that by putting your pronouns into something like linkedin or into your email you're participating in propaganda by proxy and Mm -hmm. i had said i didn't understand and you had explained that go ahead and explain it again yeah just that the idea is is that when when you have a top-down propaganda, like let's say that the UN, for example, decides that they're going to put a video out on social media and they say a man is a woman or a woman is a man. It doesn't really matter. You can be whatever you can. You know, something like that. Well, that's top-down propaganda. And by and large, it's not going to have that much of an effect. This is a known truth that top-down propaganda doesn't have that much of an impact until your neighbor starts to go along with it. The moment your neighbor puts out a trans flag, that is a, a in, in a lot of ways, a declaration of war on your values. And now you have to choose what side you're on. So now let's say your neighbor across the street decides to put the trans flag out. And maybe the neighbor next to him puts the gay pride flag out. And now there's gay pride get-togethers in your neighborhood. The more you allow each neighbor to participate as a proxy for the propaganda from the top, you will find that it becomes like a burden on your back that gets heavier and heavier and heavier until finally you're crushed into submission. And you go along. You would say, before that ever happened, I would never go along with that. That's crazy. A woman is a woman and a man is a man. But what do we see every time? Well... My HR department wants me to blah, 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 blah. Well, our diversity and inclusion group wants me to, and if I don't go along, I might get in trouble. Mm-hmm. And and I think the biggest takeaway of the whole thing is you cannot just say that this is just going to go away. Matt Walsh says that he thinks that we can win this fight. And while I think he is right that this might be one of the few battles we can actually win, I think that it's still very, very slim chance that we win it because people are so terrified of suffering for the truth. Yeah. They are so terrified of losing their jobs or losing their pastoral positions or losing their nonprofit board seats or whatever it might be. And so they they chalk it up to wisdom, but in actu- that, that they're actually being wise. By keeping their by mouth keeping shut. By keeping their mouth shut. Yeah. And in actuality, they're being cowards. 
Because where this really comes out is the fact that, especially if it's a two-parent working home, they can't know everything that's going on at school. They, they just can't. Mm-hmm. It's impossible to know. And in what we're seeing, especially if you follow Libs of Tech Talk, it's an account on social media, for those that don't know, that goes around and, and exposes the LGBT agenda in schools and businesses and all over the place. And a lot of them, and what they do is they just grab videos from social media from Other really, really crazy accounts, and they just put it out there for everybody to see. And they are demonstrating a lot of this is starting at very young elementary school ages. And one of the things that comes out is like, if they can convince somebody in their 40s that this is something that could bring them psychological fulfillment, mm-hmm. the transgender movement, then your kid who's watching Disney Plus or watching Netflix and there's a trans character or Blue's Clue where they had a transgender episode. Yeah. And this is a real tragic thing. We've only talked about people who have two-parent households. Kids who are completely and totally you know, fatherless or motherless, and they are basically babysat by their, their devices. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there is a time in which the church really needs to stand up for the widows and orphans, it's if you see something going on with transgenderism or somebody affirming transgenderism, you have to take the opportunity to say, that's wrong. Yeah. Well, and I um I was going to say it makes me think of that quote, the only thing needed for evil to flourish is for good men to do nothing. Yeah. And I will say, you know, going back to your example of the neighborhood where everyone's putting up the flags to punt back to Alexander Solzhenitsyn in his essay Live Not by Lies, you may not be strong enough to go out there and have a discussion with your neighbors and lay out why they're wrong. Mm-hmm. But at the very least, don't go along with it. Yep. Don't go to their pride parties. Right. Don't put a flag up don't in front of your house. Don't congratulate somebody on their gender identity right. or transition don't. or their gay marriage or any of those things because you think that you're being loving. Right. It is not loving to affirm lies. and right. Especially lies that other people are believing and want you to affirm so that they don't feel like it's a lie. Yep, exactly. And as Christians, especially Christian intellectuals, which is what this podcast is for, but in general, this principle for Christians is that you're not supposed to just let lies go unchecked. Mm -hmm. And the example you have from this is John the Baptist, Mm -hmm. who gets thrown in jail. Why? Was it because he was, you know... uh, preaching the gospel of Jesus out in the middle of the street and they just didn't like it? No, it's that he told the king that he married the wrong person. Wasn't it his sister? Yeah, or something it was an like incestuous that? relationship. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, so uh, was it? Or was it his brother's wife? I know it was some kind of... I can't remember familiar, the details. I know it was a woman he should not have married. Yeah. yeah. I think, it, I can't remember if it was incestuous or not. Anyway... Sorry, guys. Remind me. I'm sure there's some pastors out there who've got it right on the tip of their tongue. So, you know, (laughs) you guys remember weird things like that. But anyway, so he's not marrying the right person. Mm -hmm. And John the Baptist goes to jail and gets beheaded for this. Right. And at the center of this whole destruction of John the Baptist's life is that John the Baptist spoke out against sexual immorality. Mm -hmm. And then he is killed by the king's decree after a sexually immoral dance is conducted for him 
by his daughter. But but the point is, is that there are a lot of Christians who feel like, and a lot of people, and this doesn't just matter for Christians. If you are a person who knows truth, can be known, and can be known from experience, then you have to be willing to, at least like you said, not affirm it, meaning Mm -hmm. stay quiet. And if somebody asks you directly, that's when you don't have a choice. But we still need people to actually go out there and say, when they see it being pushed on a child or pushed on a school or a church is trying to decide how to be tolerant, there is, you need to watch this documentary first because you need to know what tolerant means to them. Yeah. And what it means to them. And it, it means that you affirm that they go through an irreversible, surgical, damaging biologically, and life-threatening procedure that is completely in contrary to God's in design. Mm-hmm. And it is a design. Yeah. And so I think uh, that's a big part of it. And I, I have some quotes that relate to that. But Well, so speaking of body destruction um one thing i found very interesting is when matt walsh is yeah when matt walsh is talking with the surgeon who does these um what's the word what are they calling it now gender affirming surgery so Mm. cutting young men's penises off and shaping them into vaginas I, i i mean it's just horrific and um, so Matt Walsh tries to ask this transgender surgeon, well, you know, how do you feel like this might relate to, I forget what it's called exactly, body dysmorphia, yeah. where you believe that it's a very rare disorder where you believe that parts of your body that are healthy should not exist, or someone who has a belief that they should have been born blind. So, yeah. um, and this is not... I'm not making this stuff up. There are people who really do have this disease yep. where they fantasize about having no legs or right. having one arm gone, that sort of thing. And when he brings this up to the surgeon and says, don't, you know, what would you think of those people? And the surgeon himself, who appears as a woman, says, well, you know, I think they're a little cuckoo. <laughs> and, and it was just insane because it's like they're... This is literally a surgeon who cuts off boys' totally mm-hmm. healthy reproductive organs and tries right. to reshape Which them. Which is a form of amputation. Right. It is, an, it is the same exact procedure as cutting mm-hmm. somebody's hand off and reshaping it. Like, if I believed that I was supposed to be a cow and I asked a doctor to cut my breast off and put it into the center of my stomach because I believed I was a cow, that might not be the exact same Thing. but but regardless um i mean that's species uh, yeah that's trans 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 species you could be a fetishes. dragon i could you, you know get scales put on you that's what i've been missing i thought all so. of these years next documentary by daily wire is going to be what is a dragon <laughs> starring Lindsay roberts yeah that's right <laughs> but no i just i thought it was such an insane level of intellectual uh disconnect Mm -hmm. and and intellectual dishonesty to say well well i mean these people need help yeah there is no way that you can look at anybody he interviewed and say they are in their right mind yeah and and like you watch this and and you say that 
there are always exceptions to a rule, but they had conversations with university professors. And Matt Walsh, by the way, didn't go to college. Mm -hmm. And he is asking them questions, and they can't answer them. And these are questions, what is a woman? To a gender studies professor. Right. And, and, you know, it's so typical of an academic to say, ah, man, such a general question. And we spend all semester talking about that one question. You want to answer it in just 15 minutes. And it's like, that is, you know, what, what, just as an aside, one of the marks of a true intellectual is they can go as deep as necessary and they can, they can still leave a listener with, with some summarization of truth mm-hmm. that is satisfying mm-hmm. about the question they've asked. And, um, and if they can't, they try to figure it out. They try to figure out. They're not just concerned with whether or not they know the truth, meaning themselves. Mm-hmm. The intellectual is actually concerned with whether or not he can communicate it to people who don't have the time and money and resources to go into the depths of reality the way he had to to get the knowledge. Mm-hmm. And, and-, and these people want you not to have any knowledge. Well, and this is this is what makes me think back to what you've said about propaganda and how the whole goal of propaganda in a society is not to make you believe an objective truth that is different than what you currently believe. It is to make you uncertain of any truth claim. And that's exactly what you saw throughout this documentary is this complete... Um, I would say like a hatred of objective and noble truth. And it's not, and this is the other scary part is it's not just the elites that he speaks to when he's talking to common folk on the street and he says, what is a woman? Nobody wants to answer that question because Mm -hmm. they know the moment they try and give a biological definition and they're on camera, they're the bigot. And um, it makes you think about these people in other countries, like in Africa, for example. You know, it it was really funny, but also refreshing because, you know, he's out in the bush with this Mm -hmm. tribe that allows him to come and spend the day with them. And they had no problem whatsoever with creating a very simple distinction between men and women. Mm -hmm. Women can birth children. Men can't. Right. Well, and, and because we're coming up on time, I want to jump into three major issues. And, and well, one big one, which is the idea, again, of, of staying silent on this subject. Mm, okay. And, you know, the parental rights that were lost by the, the dad up in Canada. Can you... So we haven't talked about that. Can yeah. you explain what so you're talking about? So there's a dad in the documentary who was uh his who brought his daughter to a doctor for gender dysphoria and he thought for sure that they were gonna you know set things straight and help her get the therapy she needed to understand that she wasn't a boy or maybe it was a boy who wanted to be a no, girl. No, it was, it was a, girl. a daughter. It was a daughter who wants to be a boy. So they start wanting to do hormonal therapy on her and he says no. And his ex wife, I believe it was, mm-hmm. takes him to court over misgendering the daughter and he goes to jail and so for for parents who think that you know well i'll just get mad at the teachers but if you actually do this 
and you actually stick up, you don't know what the repercussions are. You could lose your job. It's not just as simple as get mad at a teacher. And when you see these people on the documentary, they don't want you to raise your kid. And they will fight to keep you from doing that. And so you better be ready to play ball if you decide to just go in and say, hey, why is this not? Why is this part of the curriculum? And I think the issue is you've got these Christians who think, well, it'll take care of itself. Mm-hmm. And I would just like to ask a question that when you see something this evil, like abortion, for example, did abortion just take care of itself? Right. And it's like, or did, did the Nazis just take care of themselves? Like they just burn out. Does communism just burn out? Russia is still under a very corrupt dictatorship. Right. And so the idea that evil ideas like this are not things that you individually need to fight is a complete and total lie. And in our book club right now, C.S. Lewis covers this entire concept in his second book in the Space Trilogy called Perlandra. And for those that don't know, Solomon's Corner has a book club section on the website and um, we didn't actually put this one on there um, because it's not. I didn't really think it was relevant, but now I wish I would have. But but the point is, is that we were going through this with a group, and um, in chapter eleven of this book, the main character is tasked with fighting the devil, and he is trying to convince himself that that's not what God wants him to do. That God doesn't want him to fight this right. battle. Okay. okay. And so that that God does not want him to fight the devil. And so the main character's name is Ransom, and I'm going to change the name for God here because it's a weird name, and if you haven't read the book, you won't get it. But he says, it's all very well, said this valuable critic, a presence of that sort, the evil, but the enemy is really here, really saying and doing things. Where is God's representative? And then it says, it seemed blasphemous. Anyway, what can I do? babbled the valuable self. I've done all I can. I've talked till I'm sick of it. It's no good, I tell you. Ransom tried to persuade himself that he could not possibly be God's representative, as the unman was the representative of hell. The suggestion was, he argued, itself diabolical, a temptation to fatuous pride, to megalomania. But he himself was the miracle. Oh, but this is nonsense, said the voluble self. And what that means is it's just an uh, inner voice that keeps talking back. Ransom, with his ridiculous professor body and his ten times defeated arguments, what sort of miracle was that? His mind darted hopefully down a side alley that seemed to promise escape. And this is the important part. This is the part where Christians seem to always make this. I know I have, so I'm speaking to myself here. But we seem to always go this route of, well, I'm going to just do my best. So Ransom's mind darted hopefully down a side alley that seemed to promise escape. Very well, then. He had been brought here miraculously. He was in God's hands. As long as he did his best, and he had done his best, God would see to the final issue. He had not succeeded, but he did do his best. No one could do more. Tis not in mortals to command success. He must not be worried about the final result. God would see to that. And God would bring him safe back to earth after his very real, though unsuccessful, efforts. Probably God's real intention was that he should publish to the human race the truths he had learned on the planet Venus. As for the fate of Venus, that could not really rest upon his shoulders. It was in God's hands. 
One must be content to leave it there. One must have faith. It snapped like a violin string. Not one rag of all this evasion was left. Relentlessly, unmistakably, the darkness pressed down upon him the knowledge that this picture of the situation was utterly false. And he continues on, and there's one last thing he says. He says here, And far away in time, Herodias stood on the bridge, and Constantine settled in his mind whether he would or would not embrace the new religion. And Eve herself stood looking upon the forbidden fruit, and the heaven of heavens waited for her decision. Ransom writhed and ground his teeth, but could not help seeing. Thus, and not otherwise, the world was made. Either something or nothing must depend on individual choices. And if something, who could set bounds to it? A stone may determine the course of a river. He was that stone at this horrible moment, which had become the center of the whole universe. So, if I'm hearing the quote correctly, essentially... It's like, it's like we all say, and I mean, I've said this as a Christian, I've said, well, you know, I didn't know how to answer that atheist when they asked what the Holy Spirit is, but this was back when I believed I did not have a responsibility to know my faith. And if I got charged with a question, I'd say, well, you know, I did my best to answer that question. I don't know. I don't know any better, but I, I did my best. And there's nothing more I could have done. And I allowed myself to live in a spiritual ignorance for a long time because I believed that I had no further responsibility. Yeah, but that's a little bit different. Okay. The reason why is because what we're dealing with here are not intellectual arguments. These are truth. Like... The, like, the, the idea you like that the two, you... Like two plus two equals yeah. four kind of a thing. Yeah, that's The idea fair. that that's you fair. have to... There is, there's a big difference between having an intellectual debate about the existence of God with an atheist and talking with a sane and rational person who's scared not to put their pronouns in their LinkedIn profile. Yep. Yeah, you're right. You will not walk away from that encounter saying, I did the right thing by not saying anything. Mm-hmm. If you have a friend or you have a coworker who's feeling pressured or you're feeling pressured to participate in this lie, then you are going to, you, you have to understand that it is your moral duty to not participate. And the problem is, is that the language has shifted on this because when you were talking earlier, like 10 years ago, when the gay pride and everything was happening, mm-hmm. people would keep downplaying, like, it's not that big of a deal. It's not really happening. They right. would just say, yeah, so a couple people want to go up to wherever and get married. Who cares? We all said, this is a slippery slope. And everyone said, you're crazy. You're overreacting. Look at Westboro Baptist Church. That's who's being really crazy. Blah, 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 blah. At the end of the day, the language has changed now to, it's not, well, it's not going to happen. It's, okay, it's happening, so now what? What do you want me to do about it? Yeah, what do you want me to do about it? I've done my best. Yep. I can't do anymore. It's just a matter of faith. And God just has to mm-hmm. step in and take care of it. Yeah, and here's what you do have anything. to do. You need to be prepared to take legal action to defend your rights and the rights of your children because the fights that we decide to lay low on today are going to be the battles that our children have to fight in the future. And you don't have to look any further than the boomers to know that that's exactly what happened. The boomers are the ones who allowed for Roe v. Wade to come in. They want to blame all these millennials 
for the, the cultural crisis that we're in. But we didn't invent the iPhone. We didn't pass legislation on gay marriage. We were too young to even vote on it. We did not do anything on Roe v. Wade. And that is not to say that we're victims. It's to say that there are consequences when a generation forsakes their responsibilities. And it's very clear in Scripture that this actually passes down to the next generation. Right. And so that's not a victim status. That's a fact. That when generations, generational sin does pass down the burden to the next group. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, if you're a person who's who's a Christian... And you're sitting here saying, well, I just don't understand why this is such a big deal. Can't we just love people and, and not take this cold, hard reason route? No, you can't. The The idea of that to love somebody is to affirm them in what God explicitly says is wrong is to play the part of the devil in the garden and say, well, maybe maybe if, if, if we just take a bite of the fruit, maybe God will just give us a pass this time. Maybe... Maybe God can just redeem us. And that is the logic. We didn't get into it. But in the book, that is the logic that comes out in Perlandra that, well, God could redeem this if I just choose not to fight the devil. Ransom mm-hmm. has that discussion. Yeah. He says, well, if if God was able to save Earth with Jesus' death, is it such a big deal if he has to do it here too? Wow. And we have to understand that as Christians, we are the miracle that God sends into these dark times. And and I just think that the the documentary does a great job of pointing out that this is not something that you should just sit down and say, well, it's not that big of a deal. It's just a crazy idea. It's not that big of a deal. It's like, well, then why is it that the UN put out a video actively promoting it? Right. You have the largest, most powerful countries in the world and businesses going along with this idea. How can you say it's just going to blow over? Well, and this is something that you and I have talked about too is we are charged as Christians to defend the least of these, the widows, the right. orphans. And when you look at how Big Pharma is capitalizing on these transgender kids and, yep. and adults, but largely kids right now, mm-hmm. um, for example, Scott in the documentary says that for every child they convince into transgenderism, it means one7 million dollars in healthcare costs and you think about that kind of corruption and I think about how we should be protecting people because they're being fed a lie but I think it's also helpful to think about why this lie is coming in in the first place who stands to benefit from it Mm -hmm. and these people are not altruistic in their motives there is a bigger machine behind the scenes that is profiting off of these mm-hmm. lies. Well, it's, it's very similar to the abortion industry. Yeah, absolutely. And the real scary thing is that I have had conversations with Christians that sound just like the activists. Mm-hmm. And these are not far-left Christians. These are Christians who believe the Bible is the Word of God. They're compassionate They're compassionate Christians, Christians quote-unquote. And they believe that to be rational is to be heartless. That's not true. Reality is heartless. And what's actually damaging is to not give somebody the tools of reason, especially in their Christian faith, Mm -hmm. to go and navigate that harsh world that's out there. And what is really concerning about the documentary is that you can look at this. I mean, one example is Yarhouse. Mark Yarhouse, in his book, Understanding Gender Dysphoria, he's a 
transgender counselor, quote unquote Christian, and I believe he, I'm sure he actually does believe Jesus is his Savior and Lord, and that he's been baptized and all that kind of stuff, checks all the boxes that every denomination would really care about. What I think is a problem is that, and I went back through his book, I mean, he says this explicitly, that some transgender Christians may actually feel, after prayer and walking the road with their Christian community, that transition is the option, but it should be done with prayer in the community. Mm-hmm. No, there's never a situation in which transition is the option. At that point, you failed as a therapist. It's like that's like me as an IT professional saying, well, you know, after prayer and consideration, I decided to blow up your website <laughs> because... I didn't. Ha- I couldn't figure it out. It wasn't working. Right. It was not as it was meant to be. Right. So I just destroyed it. It's like no, your job, whether you're a medical professional, a teacher, or a, a pastor, leader, yeah. or a spiritual leader, or a parent, your job is to look at Christ as the ideal human being, and say, my job is to help point you to imitate that. Mm-hmm. For those, I, I can already hear it now. Ah, but what about women? Who are they supposed to imitate? You got a hole in your eye. They can imitate Mary. I don't think that there's anything wrong with what the Catholics say that say, you know what? Yes, there's a there's a woman who is blessed among women, and you can imitate Mary. Yeah. And and like, is there anything wrong with saying to a woman who's a Christian? There's plenty of Christian women in the Bible that they can emulate. But it certainly seems like Mary is the top of the pile. Yeah. That that the greatest gift of Noah, how do we know she was a woman? She right. gave birth to children. Right. God gave her the ability right. to bear the son right. of God. Right. I mean. So like at the end of the day, and there's nothing, that, that's not to say that women can't imitate Christ either, because some of the activity that he does is not specifically male. But, but the point is, is that this movement is hijacking Christian compassion. Mm-hmm. And Christians don't understand that when they play the language game of the LGBT community, mm-hmm. they are sacrificing their Christian faith on the altar of tolerance and compassion, and it's not going to go well yeah. for them in God's eyes or for that transgender person who needs the truth. Yep. And again, those who say, well, you just got to be compassionate. You just got to say the right words. It's not what you said. It's how you said it. It's like, nope. Watch the documentary. Matt Walsh is as compassionate as he possibly can be and totally and 100% neutral. And these people almost assault him at one point. Yep. Like, this is an ideology. This is a religion of sorts. Yep. And it is trying to vie for the powers of institutions and also for control over the children of our nation and other nations as well. Mm-hmm. And when you get into the uh, social contagion section where he talks about the social media influence and they go through all those transgender social media profiles, that is, I mean, there is only one word for it is that these people are being either they are spiritually tortured or they are in desperate psychological need. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, and at the end of the day, I'm not sure in this case that there is a difference between those two. Mm-hmm. So all that to say, I mean, it was... For anyone who hasn't seen it, by gum, get out there and watch it. It is it is an incredible documentary. I am so glad that we took the time to watch it last night. Mm-hmm. So. And just to get a little philosophical plug in here, it definitely demonstrates that Christians and our culture in general 
have adopted a philosophical perspective of nominalism. And it shows that, you know, Christians have abandoned their philosophical roots. And it's in that professor clip mm-hmm. where he says, you're trying to foist an essentialist definition on me. Yep. But what that means for those who go and watch it, and you watch that, he is saying, I don't want there to be things like human nature. Because that is a, when we when we say essentialist, we're saying human essence, meaning a human being has a human essence, and a dog has a dog-like essence, and and a woman has a and different a woman has essence a feminine than a man, essence, right. right? There is a male essence and a female essence, and they are not the same by definition. Mm-hmm. And when the church came along and said all that Greek philosophy needs to go out the window, they think they're being biblical. They're not. They're actually following in the shoes of modern philosophers. When you're a Christian pastor or a Christian academic or anything like that, and you say, I just need to cast off all this Greek philosophy, well, you're not the first one to have done that. Now, you might say that the reason is is because you can't see any Greek philosophy in there, which is up for debate, because Paul says explicitly, in him we move and have our being. And if you don't understand metaphysics, then I don't know how you understand that passage. Mm-hmm. And so that doesn't mean you have to know that passage as a Christian. But when it comes to essentialism, which the LGBT community, well, the T in the community, the L and the G don't reject it. The T does. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because they believe that they can have a female essence in a male body. Yep. And this comes straight from William of Ockham. And if you read Frederick Koppelson's History of Philosophy, Volume 3, in the introduction, he says that, that William of Ockham put forward the idea that individuality, metaphysically speaking, was the fundamental building block of reality. It was not natures and essences. And he believed that in order to retain a better view of God, that you had to get rid of nature and essences, and you had to focus on the individual. And this is precisely what our mainstream Christian denominations have done. It's all about a personal relationship with Jesus. It's not about an ideal man named Jesus that you're expected to conform to. It's about a personal relationship with Jesus. It's highly subjective. And there are, I understand that there are, I grew up in this kind of Christianity. There are a lot of nuances that a lot of pastors will have on that. But in general, the way it's communicated to the outside world is you need a personal relationship with Jesus, which is definitionally subjective. Mm -hmm. And that's not what we're called to. We're called to an objective faith, a faith that has laws and rules and reasons and that Jesus came to fulfill, right. and that in doing so, he is trying to redeem you towards his likeness, towards his image. Yeah. And if you eliminate the idea of human nature, then what kind of nature is God actually redeeming you towards? Yeah, it's like, I mean, it makes me think, like, I'm bringing Jesus into my mm-hmm. individualism well, rather you end than up making following Jesus, Yeah. You end a, a personal relationship with Jesus means that he's your friend. Right. Well, how he comes how, over to me, which is him. crazy because it's like, well, it's not like, have you ever been with a with a with a mutual friend and he's like, oh, I gotta have you meet this guy that I really like, and then you meet them and you're like, why are you friends with that guy? <laughs> and it's like, obviously, people can't have the same kinds of friends. 
because Mm -hmm. it's highly subjective who you hang out with, but it shouldn't be with Jesus. (laughs) In other words, if you're a Christian in a relationship with Jesus, then you should get along with other Christians because you guys are conforming to the same person. Right. And so Occam says, and, and Koppelson paraphrases this, he says, by putting the emphasis of the individual at the forefront of his metaphysical project, he eliminates the idea that there is a logical conclusion between our human experience and the natures or the immaterial essences of things. This is a paraphrase, but it's in the book. If you guys really want the quote and the page number, I can send it to you. But that is explicitly what's going on in the church. And this is why one of the arguments, if you go on Twitter or you go anywhere else, you'll see people say, well, show me a Bible verse where it says I can't be trans. Well, you're not going to find it because the Bible assumes that you are having experiences with the real world. In reality. In reality. knowable reality. And that there are natures. There is a thing such as human nature. There is a thing such as dog nature. And they are not the same thing. And it's not just that there's this individual instance of dog and there's no similarity to others. And so it's really, really important, this documentary. I can't stress it enough because it tackles so many issues. Everything from the philosophical implications of essentialism and nominalism worked out in real time from the proponents who would love to see Christians be more nominalistic. Right. And Christians who think that, well, philosophy doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. This is a complete and total apologetic against that idea that philosophy does not matter. And anybody who says, well, you know, in, in the beginning, God created male and female. Yep. And what you're doing is you're assuming an essentialist philosophical position. It's not that the Bible says that, and so you believe it. It's that reality says that, and people deny reality. Mm-hmm. And, and in doing so, the Bible is no longer intelligible. It's when we actually understand that reality came from God, and the Word of God came from God too, mm-hmm. and so they should match up. Yep. And so when you have an experience with a human being, just like Matt Walsh goes to Africa, and they talk with the tribal people, and they know what a man is, if they actually get a Bible and it says male and female, they created them, they're not going to question that passage. Right. But a transgender person will because they are willfully denying reality. They are willfully living a lie. And so I just think, in summary for me, and then Mm -hmm. you can wrap up and then I'll close this out, it covers so many important issues for Christian intellectuals that I just felt like we had to do a review on it. You did too. Mm -hmm. And... It definitely eliminates, especially any sort of conversations we've had with Christians here or there or individuals who are wrestling with this stuff. It really shatters any sort of pacifist approach that you can take mm-hmm. on this or apathetic approach that you can take on this issue. You, you just cannot do that. And then finally, it demonstrates that your philosophy, not your worldview, your philosophical assumptions or beliefs or arguments, whatever you want to call them, those have a massive bearing on how you understand your Bible. Mm-hmm. And yep. and if you want a good example of this, you can go and get the three points, uh, uh, three views on the millennium counterpoint study, and then read through it. It's all about the end times, so I'm sure a bunch of people will be interested in that because everybody feels like it's happening right now, and 
All I can say is just be ready. I don't know when it's happening, and neither do you. So just, you know, keep living the Christian life. Keep the oil. Keep the oil in keep the, the oil lamp. lit. And if it doesn't happen, you'll still be good. Um, but the uh, but the reason why that book is so important is because you have these three different representatives of denominations who one believes the millennial kingdom is real, the other one believes that it's a metaphor, and the other one believes that it's already in place. And what we mean by that for the uninitiated is that Jesus is going to, in the end times, in Revelation, that Jesus is going to come and establish his kingdom. And the whole debate is over when that kingdom is going to be and whether or not it actually is a literal kingdom. But the reason why that counterpoint study is so important is because there is this assumption that if everybody just believes the Bible, we'll all agree. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that is not true. Yeah, if we all just right. read New King James Version, yeah. we'll So we'll all... say, well, just... So people will say things like this. Well, just throw your personal experience out the door and start with a clean slate, just believing the Bible. And then we will be that way. Well, that's impossible because your experiences are what make you the person you are. Right, but that does not mean, again, that doesn't mean, though that the Bible is therefore subjective Mm-mm. because your experience with a door is different than my experience with but a door. But that's not true. The idea that you have a different experience with a door and I have a different experience with a door as a door is not mm-hmm. the same thing. You might see different colors. You mm-hmm. might feel different textures. But what I'm saying is that doesn't mean that the Bible has a problem and therefore truth isn't knowable. Yeah. It's that we have had... Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like the at the end of the day, people are not going to believe the exact same thing if we just start with the Bible. Mm-hmm. And this book has three guys who, by and large, think that that is the case because they came together and debated. Mm-hmm. And what ends up happening is in the final chapter, they they, they write their arguments and then they cross-reference each other and they, they or cross-examine each other and then they do closing statements. And in the final chapters of the book, they stop citing the Bible because they realize they're all using the same passages but they're interpreting them differently. <laughs> and so they come to this section where they start debating the idea of pre-understanding, meaning your understanding of the natures of things before you come to the text. Mm-hmm. Because they could not agree on anything by virtue of only using Bible verses. Yeah, And, and this is one of the big reasons why we have the problem we have today is because the left or the LGBT or anybody who's anti-Christian would love to see it come down, realize that this was a weak point in the Christian faith. And it was that they thought that individuals who thought this way would, would you know, see a person come to, to Christ and they would think this is how it's supposed to work. Mm-hmm. And, but they don't realize that they're missing like 20 other people. Right. Because... They've got such a narrow way of which the uh, the way that the gospel has to be presented. And so when you see the, the trans activists and you see all the discussions that are happening and you realize so much of the language they have has been co-opted from Christianity and probably even some modern Bible translations. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is it is absolutely vile and evil. And, and even Matt Walsh said that, and I, I didn't really understand it when he said this, but even he said, that um, it was spiritually uh, difficult for him because of the the evil people that he was, and there is no other way to describe it. Mm-hmm. At, at some point, people do 
it's not for us to decide. But at some point, people do get given over. And it is, I would be very surprised if we see any of those people come back from where they came. It's possible. Yeah, not to say say they can't. But at this point in time, they are evil people. Yeah, and they need they need the truth for sure. Right. But there there is very little hope for them if they continue on the road that they they go. And and Matt Walsh sat face to face with a lot of these guys in ways that I don't know of any other commentator or human being or person who could have sat there and pulled off this video. Especially a parent, especially yeah. a dad. Yeah. Sitting there listening to these medical professionals. In plain child abuse, yeah, I mean, in plain, literally child abusers that should be in jail. Light of day, talk about abusing children and cutting children up. It, it I, is, it is surreal medical. that we are actually even talking about this, as if it, th- that it is in the mainstream, and that parents who try to stop this have gone to jail. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely insane, right? And so, yeah. On that note, I uh, I would say those were the same things that really hit me. Um, having gone through the public school system my whole life and having been deeply entrenched in a live your own truth, truth is relative ideology um, that was pushed through uh, the International Baccalaureate IB program in high school, um, I was so thankful to see a documentary tap into the danger of that idea and how by adopting a relativistic life you can't be objective about anything and you can't know anything any longer and it was just a it was great it was a great documentary and we learned that a woman we learned the answer to the question that's true why don't you why don't you share it i will share it a woman is an adult human being who cannot open pickle jars <laughs> <laughs> or jars of any kind and requires a man to do it. Especially if they're from Aldi. If That's it's right. a salsa jar from Aldi. 100%. Man and woman cannot do That's it. That's right. It's almost like... It's a screwdriver. Only a screwdriver can do it. That's right. What is a screwdriver? Who knows? But one thing's for sure. I'll always open your pickle jar. <laughs> 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 All right. On that note... Thank you for listening to Solomon's Corner. Keep thinking. <laughs>